Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside. Good morning, how are we doing? I'm loving this auditorium sort of amphitheatre feel. It's really exciting. So, you might have guessed today is all about baptism. Have you ever considered how strange this is? I know you kind of got used to it because it happens, but it really is an odd thing that we do, isn't it? And I really feel visitors who, when we try and explain to friends and family, we're going to get into a pool and two people are going to hold us under some water. And that's kind of important to us. When we were in Birmingham and we were refurbing our church building up there, I had to go and get a baptistry made because we wanted to dig the floor out crazily, about eight inches of reinforced concrete. We decided we put our baptistry in the floor like the good old days. So we, uh, we got jackhammers and we dug the floor out and I found a local company that made racing car seats out of fiberglass and carbon fibre. I went to see the guy, I said, can you make me a big tank, preferably blue, large enough for some people to get into so we can fill it full of water and get them wet? <laughs> and he looked at me and said, well, it's your money. And... Um, <laughs> And, and they delivered this thing, and they were fascinated by this blue fiberglass tank they'd made with steps in, and they came and took pictures and said, can we come and see it in action? Because we, you know, and the whole thing is a bit odd. And it started with a very strange man, didn't it? It started way back with a man called John the Baptist. If we put the first slide up for me, guys, you'll see this. Um, it says in Mark 1, this guy called John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, and he was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to see him. And they confessed their sins and they were baptised by him in the river Jordan. And John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. Now even by Jesus' standard, this was a wild guy, wasn't it? Can you imagine him? Think Stig of the Dump? Think, you know, think just... Is that, is that, is that too, too old phrase? Is that a bit of a... Yeah, okay. Stig of a Dump? Oh, no, well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> There's a story about a caveman who lived in a, in a dump. Anyway, um, So this wild, wild man, wild, unkempt man, living in the wilderness, um, living on insects. His coat was the equivalent of loft insulation. That's what it would have been like. Camel hair coats would be incredibly itchy and irritating to wear, and he wore it kind of a way of sort of demonstrating uh, just his desire to sort of forgo any comfort for God. And he ate um, insects, locusts. Anyone tried a locust? You can get them at Christmas now, can't you? Lollipops and things. Go try them. No? That's kind of crunchy. Um, I ate beetles out in, uh, in Malawi, which tasted a bit like aniseed balls, which was quite nice. What's the matter with that? In the future, when there's not enough room for the cows, you're all going to be eating insects, you know, don't you? You're all going to be eating insect protein. Anyway, so John was ahead of the curve. He's eating locusts. And he's just treating himself occasionally to a bit of honey. He's a wild, wild man. Probably a an intimidating-looking man, a scary man. And he lived in a wild place. He lived in what the Bible describes as the wilderness. This would have been the place outside the cities, outside the towns. It would have been the place there was no shelter, no amenities, uh, just wild animals. He lived out in the wilderness, basically away from any comfort, uh, any protection, any people. And uh, some of us are just struggling with the thought of going to wildfires. I mean, this, uh, this really was... <laughs> You know, wild living, you know. He wasn't worried about hair straighteners, where he could plug them in. 
He wasn't worried about any of those things. What he looked like first thing in the morning. He lived in a wild place, a wild man in a wild place. And he had this wild message, uh, which, I mean, it's kind of sanitized in Scripture, but it's kind of, you need to come out to me, this wild man in the wilderness, as a demonstration that your life is messed up, that you're heading in the wrong direction. And to demonstrate that, I'm going to take you and I'm going to semi-drown you in this dirty river. And that's going to be a symbol of your desire to change your life. And that was the message. It's kind of all dressed up in the scriptures there, but that was the message. Imagine hearing that message as a person in Jesus' time. Hey, Simon, there's a guy out in the wilderness, a bit of a crazy guy, a bit unkempt, eats locusts. He's got this great message. Come out, because your life's messed up. He's going to dump you in the water, pull you out. It's a sign that you're going to turn your life around. God's going to help you. And that would have been the kind of message that was being communicated to the people around John's time. How would you have responded? How would you have responded to that message? You just thought, well, really? You know, uh, I'm, I'm busy that week. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't come. <laughs> but that was the message that was being communicated out to people. Nothing about John's message or his place or his choice of appearance was attractional. He didn't do anything to draw people to himself. But they came in their droves. It says the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. They went out to this wild man in the wild place with the wild message. See, John's message wasn't designed to make people feel warm and comfortable. It was designed to challenge and confront and produce radical change. It was a crazy demonstration that you wanted to turn your life around. And there was clearly a hunger in the people that John's message resonated with. Can you imagine being baptised by John? Can you imagine that? This wasn't some personal, warm deal. This was mass baptism. This was people in their droves going out to him to see this guy, unkempt guy, standing in the middle of a dirty river, maybe a fast-flowing river, saying, come on, you're next. And you're wading out and you can't see the bottom and you're wondering what's between your toes. And you're wondering out, you don't know how deep it is and perhaps you're a bit fearful of water. And he grabs you and he doesn't tell you how long he's going to hold you under for. <laughs> he doesn't even say hold your nose. He just gets you and whacks you down. And then he pulls you up and there's bits of twigs in your nose and weed in your ears. And, and this is John's baptism. And we've taken it and we've made it comfortable and we've made it nice and it, it's not taking anything from what the guys are doing today it's a very brave thing to stand here and give your testimony and to to be baptized but john's baptism was a wild thing but it drew the people in their droves it drew them in their droves would you do it would you have endured all that discomfort would you have endured that journey and i think john's baptism reminds us that people will endure discomfort and they will endure sacrifice when they find something worth enduring discomfort and sacrifice for. Men, they were actually, they chose to make that journey in that hot desert, walking out to this strange man into the potential danger of a river because they thought there's something here worth pursuing. I had the privilege a couple of weeks ago of spending some time with Open Doors. Um, we're an Open Doors partner church. Open Doors, for those of you who don't know, it's an organization that works with the persecuted church all over the world. They produce the World Watch List, and they also act as a resource and advocacy for uh, the church locally to pray and support those people in difficult parts of the world. 
And I got to hear from some people who are living in some really difficult and challenging circumstances. Some people who are living under persecution daily. And the question they often get asked is, why do you stay? Why do you stay? Or why did you even make the choice to follow Christ in the first place? If you knew persecution was coming, if you knew trouble was coming, if you knew even death potentially was coming, why would you choose to accept and receive the gospel? And the answer they always give is because he's worth it. He is worth it. He's worth it all. Whatever we are experiencing in our persecution, Jesus is worth more to us. And that, I think, is part of what John's baptism was about. It pointed to Jesus. It pointed to something greater. And he said these words. He said, After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. The people were hungry for something more. They were tired of their sin. They were tired of the state of their lives. They were hungry for God. And something in John's message captivated them. They endured the journey out into the wilderness. They endured this strange man. They even endured the potential humiliation of saying, my life's in a mess and I'm basically demonstrating that by getting into this water. I'm publicly holding my hand up and saying, I need help. I need God to do something in my life. And this baptistry bears very little resemblance to the Jordan, does it? It's warm and it's clean and it's great and uh, it's perfectly suited to what we need to do today. But we don't want to take anything away from the fact that the baptism is a radical call. It's a radical call to all of us. And Jesus really upped the stakes when he came along. He said this in, in Luke 9. He said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. We have to pause there because the cross in Jesus' time only meant one thing. It didn't mean jewellery. It didn't mean a symbol. It was an instrument of death. So for Jesus to say, take up your cross daily, meant you've got to die daily if you're going to follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever wants to lose their life for me will save it. And baptism is ultimately a symbol of us losing our lives in Christ and then being raised again in him. Colossians 3.3 says we die and we're hidden in Christ. And the water is a symbol of us being hidden in Christ's death and then coming out with him in resurrection life. His death on the cross, the ultimate baptism, gave us the ultimate washing. He cleansed us all once and for all. And the water baptism symbolizes that. As these guys get baptized today, it's a symbol and a demonstration of something that's happened inwardly for them. Their choice to follow Christ. Their choice to be washed by him and receive his forgiveness. And when we get baptized, it's not just a baptism into water, it's a baptism into the cross. We follow Jesus into the cross and we die with him and we rise with him. And I think the wildness of John's baptism is a kind of a metaphor for the life that Jesus calls us into. John prepared the people for the wild ride that it is to follow Jesus. Jesus secures our salvation, but he never promises us safety and comfort. He never promises us the warm water. He promises us the roller coaster of kingdom life. And following him is radically embracing the cross. That's what the water symbolizes. And as we try and radically embrace God's blueprint for us as a church, there's going to be cost. 
Doesn't feel very costly this morning to sit here in a nice warm room that's comfortable and safe. But as we challenge the darkness in our community, there will be cost. Amen? As we try and bring transformation to our coast and towns, there will be cost. We will encounter resistance. We will encounter what the Bible describes as spiritual warfare. Because there are certain entities in this town that will not want to be dislodged. They will want to preserve their ground. As we try and push forward with the kingdom of God, with God's love and grace and gospel message, we will encounter resistance. Some of it may be very small. Some of it might mean you have to park your car off-site because there's no room left on the car park. Shock horror. (laughs) Some of it may be large. We may encounter some real persecution, some real backlash as we seek to extend God's kingdom into our towns and our communities. Because the call is a wild call. It's a call for radical life. It's a call for radical transformation. And our persecuted brothers and sisters all over the world will describe this backlash as wounds for Christ. They regularly expect to receive wounds for Christ as they pursue Christ passionately in the places where God has put them. And they accept those wounds. He is worth it all. He is worth the radical call and the radical cost. And I believe, and I hope most of you believe today, that Jesus is worth everything. It doesn't matter what you've given him or what you're going to give him, you're never going to tip the scales in your favour because he has given everything for you through the cross. And no matter how generous we think we become towards him, we'll never end up in a situation where he owes us anything because he's given us everything. And we know that his love for us is not transactional. We don't need to earn it. We don't need to do stuff for him just to make him love us. He loves us unconditionally. But we do know that he calls us into the wild gospel life that baptism symbolizes. So if you're a follower of Jesus today and you've been baptized, why don't you use today as an opportunity to rethink about your baptism and the fact you were baptized into this radical life with Christ. What does it mean now to go forward and embrace the cross again? What does it mean to pick up your cross daily and follow hard after Jesus? And if you're not a follower of Christ yet and you've not been baptized Maybe reflect on John's baptism. Imagine hearing those words in Jesus' time. Would you have gone out to John? Would you have made that journey? Would it have been something that was worthwhile pursuing? Because ultimately, I believe Jesus is worth it all. He is worth it all. And if you reach out to him, he will be there for you. He will meet you. And he will exceed all your expectations. So we're going to pause now. In fact, why don't we just stand? I'm going to pray. Thank you for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.